In a world full of Christian podcasts, only one is pants optional. Live from Brea, California, it's the Vox World Headquarters Vox Podcast. All right, Andy, do your voice. Grab a Coors Light. Oh, I like that one. Settle up. And drink the poison. (laughs) In a world. Do that line. In a world. Oh, that's so good. This Lego Batman. Knives. (laughs) Andy just pulled a book off my shelf called A Thicker Jesus. And then said, is that what you aspire to? I punched Andy in the mouth. Punishment. (laughs) All right, so um, welcome to the Vox Podcast. (laughs) Thanks to Izzy Ray, we got a new app um, called Movie Horn. I love it. And then then there's one that uh, we'll use use later uh, called the uh, Bleep Button. And so let me let me just try this one on, um, Andy. What the are you doing, Andy? Come on now. Why in the heck do you? <laughs> there was nothing answered there. I know. <laughs> I just kind of. But all right, all right. What the heck? Uh, drive the truck. No, I can't do it. I can't even do, do the bleep drive. What am I driving? I don't know. <laughs> All right. Well, ladies oh, and gentlemen, the abuse I experience on this show. Oh yes. Well, speaking of abuse, uh, my inbox landed with about thirty emails <laughs> yesterday. I had it under Andy. I had my emails down like under twenty for the first time in a long time, and then boom. So, boom. so what happened? These were all Vox podcast form submissions. Yeah, I my 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 workflow has been was a little off in how I oh how I ingest some of the emails that come in that are questions. So, just, so, so I, uh, my workflow was off. Yeah. In other words, I didn't do it. No, I yeah, I just <laughs> <laughs> I just haven't effectively forwarded you on uh, a lot of questions and that so we we'll have just, to do the podcast. So. We'll just call that we'll just call that um, workflow yeah. issues instead <laughs> of just a lack of commitment. Um <laughs> So so what happened, I mean, we have literally, I don't know, uh, 20 questions, something that have uh, all sorts of things. Um, so, so we're going to call this episode, hold on, we're going to call this episode, let me get it, let me get it going here. We're going to call this episode, The Vox Mailbag. Lots of questions and comments. Not all of them are positive. All right, so we'll start. My brother lives in Sacramento, and uh, he has this discussion group. It includes uh, some uh, loads of folks that aren't like Jesus kind of people, and um, and so he forwarded me an article that was has evangelical Christianity become sociopathic. Okay, was the name of the article. <laughs> he said, this was our group discussion recently. We talked about how this is what some people are saying about evangelical Christians and their love of Trump, how your voice and others are needed. They asked for your thoughts. So, um, here we go. Are you ready? Yeah. Has evangelical Christianity become sociopathic? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> your worst nightmare. <laughs> Evangelical Christianity is coming for you. What happens? 
when you elect a president who agrees with all your religion and turns out to be as mature as Seth Erie. Oh my god! I don't know who 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 that's insulting. Oh, well, that's true. That's true. Um, okay, so here's here's a bit of the article. This will be this will be question number one. Since evangelical Christianity began infiltrating politics officially in the late 70s, there has been a disturbing trend to limit or remove rights from those who don't meet the conservative idea of an American. Many of these initiatives come in in the form of religious freedom laws, which empower discrimination while other legislation targets immigrants who believe differently. The result has been a sharp division in American culture and the redefinition of Christian theology. Uh, Tony Campolo, an evangelical uh, author, said Christianity was redefined in the mid-70s by the positions of pro-life and opposing gay marriage. Um, Suddenly, theology fell into the background, he said, and somewhere in the middle of the change, evangelical Christianity crossed the line of faith and belief to hatred and abuse. Those who cruelly implement the actions of their faith are oblivious to the destruction they cause to their religion uh, or the people their beliefs impact. Is it fair to call it sociopathic? Psychology Today lists 16 characteristics of sociopathic behaviors, which include untruthfulness and insincerity, superficial charm and good intelligence, lack of remorse or shame, poor judgment and failure to learn by experience. Jesus, I'm reading this. I'm like, maybe I'm sociopathic too. (laughs) Um, Pathologic egocentricity and incapacity for love, unresponsiveness in general interpersonal relations, specific loss of insight and general poverty and major affective reactions um, like appropriate responses. We see examples of this in the kinds of behaviors in church leaders and followers. Franklin Graham stated that immigration was not a biblical issue. His stand fits well within the conservative politics and vocal support of Donald Trump, but his callousness toward immigrants and those seeking asylum in the United States goes against everything he says he believes. And then there's some Bible verses that are quoted. Yet Graham doesn't see one bit of irony between his political stance and his religious belief. Um, uh, nor does he seem to notice the horrific casualties in war-torn countries these immigrants are trying to flee. It, Pastor Roger Jimenez of Verity Baptist Church in Sacramento said after the Orlando, uh, Florida terrorist attack on a gay nightclub, quote, the tragedy is that more of them didn't die. The tragedy is that I'm kind of upset he didn't finish the job. This, quote, minister of God showed no compassion for the families of men and women who died. He appeared incapable of laying aside his religious beliefs for even a moment. Uh, And recently, Kim Higginbotham, a minister's wife and teacher with a master's degree in special education, according to her website, wrote a blog, public blog called Giving Your Child to the Devil. Uh, she claimed being a disciple of Jesus demands our relationship to him to be greater than relation to our own family, even our own children. She quotes Matthew 10. Uh, in a self-righteous and self-aggrandizing martyr's ranch, she claims her son turned her back on God and she was left with no other option but to abandon him. It turns out her son is gay. Uh, and uh, there you go. Um, <laughs> but mostly, rather than calling these people out for sociopathic behavior, fellow Christians agree with them. Many of the comments on Higginbotham's website say, so sorry for your loss, praying for you and your son. Just a couple more paragraphs, Andy Bear. Uh, it's common for us to avoid cognitive dissonance when our beliefs dictate one thing, but our experiences show us something is, else is true. Uh, we call this living in denial. We do it uh, on one level or another. 
But when we choose our truth while coldly watching a fellow human being suffer, we cross the line of mental health. The 2016 election demonstrated an especially high level of insincerity, shamelessness, poor judgment, and pathological egocentricity among uh, evangelical Christians. Uh, James Dobson, who once said of Bill Clinton that character does matter, you can't run a family, let alone a country, without it. How foolish to believe that a person who lacks honesty and moral integrity is qualified to lead the nation and the world. So we said that about Clinton and then said of Donald Trump, I'm not under any illusions that he's an outstanding moral example, but a, but it's a cliche that is true. We are electing a commander in chief, not a theologian in chief. <laughs> So the even I mean so boom here we go here's the closing line the evangelical christian message is loud and clear they care for no one but themselves their devotion is to the version of christianity they have created which calls for ruthless abandonment of immigrants women children even their own and anyone else who doesn't fall in line with their message Social justice, which is mentioned in the Bible verses over 2,000 times, has been replaced with hardline political ideology, pr- uh, principle over people, indifference over involvement, ju- judgment over generosity. <laughs> okay. Uh, I guess we're calling time out on that uh, article. So, so uh, just a couple of thoughts in response, uh, my brother Brad. Um, first of all, if I were sitting across from the author, I would be nodding my head in much agreement with the article. Um, there are some sections of evangelical Christianity that are absolutely toxic, that are abhorrent, that bring shame to Jesus, um, and uh, should absolutely be um, shouted down. I mean, no, no question about it. By other Jesus followers. I mean, they, these people do not represent uh, Jesus of Nazareth. It's the Gospels present him. So, on the one hand, the article's right. On the other hand, um, uh, w- w- it's easy to cherry-pick the worst examples from any belief system. Mm-hmm. So, let me tell you about atheists who've murdered people, or let me tell you about Muslims who have murdered people, or let me tell you about feminists who've been awful, right? I mean, that, it, it's, it's kind of an ad, ad hominem fallacy, namely that the character of the person um, uh, uh, making the attack is is what is at issue rather than the arguments they're making, mm-hmm. and so I I, I, well, I could easily put uh, other examples forward from other belief systems. So so granted, there is a branch that is entirely too large of evangelical Christianity that clearly sees being politically correct, not politically correct as liberals define it, but like correct in their politics and aligning their politics with the kingdom of God or thinking they're aligned. Uh, that, that subsection is way too large and I think is often very guilty of the things that you are, uh, the end that this article is critiquing. So absolutely, the first thing I'd say is yes, I see that's true. But secondly, I would say I can point you to more examples of people who are shouting those people down, who are, who are prophetic witnesses for what is good, true, and right, and beautiful, who um, are campaigning behind the scenes for things like foster care and the end of sexual trafficking and things we'd all agree with need to happen. Um, uh, the number of people I know who are crossing uh, the bridges to the LGBTQ community um, because of people like this minister, quote unquote, you know, who, mm-hmm. who said that he was bummed they didn't finish the job. So I actually think what is happening isn't that evangelical Christianity is sociopathic. It's that evangelical Christianity is, is, is in the midst of a huge division that is happening now 
between those who are sick and tired of Jesus following being identified with conservative politics and conservative policies and those of us who who um who see that Jesus transcends all of those things, that no political party can capture him. Um, uh, he's neither left nor right. He's something entirely different. And, uh, and, and that crew of us, you know, believes that, yes, you can sit in a room with political conservatives and political liberals, um, but that division shouldn't trump Mm. Hmm. should not trump um, the commonality we have in this Jesus and through this Jesus. And so what we try to do in our communities, we try to, we've got a guy that sits in the front row with a big Trump t-shirt on <laughs> and he's sitting next to people who were weeping the night Trump was elected. So, mm-hmm. so, you know, we've talked a lot about how the table uh, of Jesus is, is the one thing that kind of can hold those tensions. But um, I, I, I think that the last point I'll say is this. For those of us who care about how Jesus looks to the to the world, we absolutely should care about what this article is saying, whether or not we think it's true. Right. So, so Paul, if you study the letters of Paul, Paul cared a ton about the reputation Jesus following had with a quote outsiders. We have to care about this, and it's for that reason that counter voices, counter narratives, have to be put forward, so that the only quotes out there aren't just the quotes from the nut jobs yeah and the people that are that are totally you know hypocrites although let's be honest i mean we're all kind of hypocritical so it's not like you're going to find a non-hypocrite it's just how big a gap are we talking about right Mm -hmm. so so anyway i thought that was an interesting and inciting article Mm -hmm. i think that uh, on the one hand it's true on the one hand it's false um you know any if i were to just to say something about the gay community is X, you know, the immediate pushback is, well, you can't, you can't like level it like that. Right. And, uh, and the same is true with evangelical Christianity. Right. There, there are so many branches in it. Uh, and, and many are critiquing that brand. Right. So it's, it's not just Jesus followers being silent, although some, you know, are agree- in agreement. Uh, I think there are others of us who are very vocal. Right. And I think it's that we have to be careful with name calling you know it's like okay, oh, oh it's like okay sure we, we define mom. yeah we define the this sex of you know based on psychological terminology that okay yeah it's become sociopathic okay great now you've got a term for it but now what see at the end of the day we're still trying to not we but collectively the thing we have to do is look at the result of what's happening and try to do something about what's happening right and try to bring account for that stuff i mean whatever you know kind of typecasting you want to put on this thing it's yeah sure maybe you know yeah we can align those things with with that you know but it's like okay but still but then what you know it's like other than giving you know a word you know, on your tongue to use yep. when you bring up, you know, ev- evangelical conservative Americans. Yeah. Yep. <clears throat> I feel compelled to write a response to the Rob Bell interview. I appreciate that you had him on and that you were willing to present a variety of views on the podcast. I found Rob's view of scripture to be high in quotes, and I don't mean stoned, <laughs> but his view of God to be missing. Like he has removed God from the picture. I felt unsettled listening to the interview because it felt like God was robbed of all glory. I know you weren't necessarily agreeing with him, but I was surprised by the sarcasm in your questions about God's role in scripture. Several times you came off as condescending towards those who have a more God-centered view of scripture versus human-centered. If that's the right way to put it, Isaiah 55, 9-10 comes to mind. 
I'm not sure this was your intention, but I felt some red flags go up for me. Either way, I thought it might be helpful to hear how that came across. Still love you and look forward to future podcasts. All right. So I don't know if you know this, Andy, but we had an interview with Rob Bell. <laughs> yeah, I've heard. And in that interview, um, and, and I've said since, uh, we did this with Greg Boyd, and we're going to do this with others coming on the uh, on the show. Um, our job is to make it as comfortable for them uh, to express the best, the highlights of their thinking and to not spend time in the show critiquing their thinking. We want to encourage it. We want to cheer it on. We want to, and some will say, yeah, but you're exposing people to heresy, right. to bad theology. We're abusing our platform. Right. And yeah. and, and my, my response to that is several fold. Number one, uh, the pe- people are listening to Rob, whether we're comfortable with them listening to him or not. Right. His views have to be engaged. He speaks um, so much to the millennial crowd. Not only that, there was a great review of, of his book that said, hey, here are four things I like, here are four things I don't like. But if it gets people who would never pick up the Bible to pick up the Bible, that's a good freaking thing. And, and your view of Rob depends on whether you view him as a pastor or a missionary. If you view him as a pastor, well, he doesn't talk about Jesus as much as we'd like, or he talks about the divine instead of the father. He talks about, you know, um, rising consciousness and whatever. Um, and so that, you know, could it be a drift into new age and, and all this stuff? Okay, sure. If you see him as a missionary and him trying to engage with people who would never engage with Jesus, the Bible, Christianity in any other context... Okay, I mean, I could see that I'd I'd make similar decisions down the road about okay, do I? So I wouldn't try to be I wouldn't be trumpeting God as Father or God as Man in the circles he's running in, mm-hmm. right? I'd be I mean I I get it. So so I just am always perplexed though because of the that he's somehow the dividing line between liberal and conservative, and uh, so so I hear young lady her name's Kelly wrote this in Kelly I hear you. And, um, and as Rob himself said, his view of the Bible really, really focuses on the human side of this, not on the God side. So I agree that, that we, we spent and that he spends very little time on the God side of this, of this. And, uh, that that is one of the critiques I think of, of the book that's fair is okay well as if you read the chapters on inspiration and and those sorts of things it really kind of fleshes it out in a way that's like eh i'm not so sure i buy it but i would buy 80 percent of what he's saying Mm -hmm. absolutely and uh and so um in terms of being condescending um i was trying to represent the often very simplistic views or objections that people are going to have to his way of thinking and I could see how that could come across as condescending if you hold those views, because I just called them simplistic. But I, I do think there are new, more nuanced views that better represent what Scripture is than just a flat, hey, it's the infallible Word of God. I just don't think that captures exactly what the Bible is. Right. So my apologies for coming off as condescending. I definitely don't want to do that. But I was also trying to egg Rob on. To, and and to do it in a way that didn't feel like we were critiquing him, but do it like with an imaginary uh, interlocutor, right? Interlocutor. And and, and, and I would, I mean, that, even from where I say, I would love, I would love to say that we don't hear people respond that way, the way you played that role. But unfortunately, 
that is how we hear people respond. Right. Like people respond that defensive. It's not that we're being condescending, but like it's that's. Well, I could see how, where it sounded. I could, sounded. I could. I could. I understand that. But I'm. I'm wrestling with like. So well, unfortunately, dear, if, if people weren't like that, then I would be a bit more. You yeah, know. but there are people like that. <laughs> yeah. So, dear Kelly, <laughs> thank you for letting us know how it came across. I really appreciate that. Um, and uh, and so thank you for still loving us and looking forward to future podcasts, even though you didn't like that particular one. I think yeah. that's very cool. Um, the Vox Mailbag, dude. I mean, seriously, Andy, it's like how many pages? The whole podcast is just me reading questions. <laughs> um, all right, here's another one. Um, <laughs> this is a good one. The, the subject is, hey, Andy and Mike. I know I mentioned Andy first, so don't get upset, Mike. <laughs> Um, my name is so-and-so I've, I've, you know, been to a couple of churches. I've listened to the podcast first. I'd like to say that you do an absolutely fantastic job of creating space for conversations to happen. In fact, I sent your podcast to family members. It has been a springboard to conversations about faith. Um, from what I've heard, one of the goals from the creation of the podcast, I'm involved with the alpha course and I view this as another avenue to open up dialogue about faith. So I love that. Um, you are, are also extremely articulate in describing topics about faith that I've personally find difficult to properly word. Hmm. So I think he was saying that to you. Oh, uh, no, you. he wasn't. He oh. was saying that to me. Secondly, <laughs> you've helped me put teeth on some thoughts that are ideas that I had about church, not feeling much like Jesus. I love that it is the red letters where you start and everything else flows from there. That way, our motto that you approach these as if you are the biggest sinner in the room is the kind of humility I hope to display. All right. Thank you. But here it comes. <clears throat> Lastly, now that my premarital course, or in my premarital course, they said you should always give compliments before giving a critique. So here it comes. <laughs> Teed up. While I love that you start with the red letters of Jesus's words, I'm nervous about the embarrassed by the Bible, not for the reason you think. I actually like the name and have a sense of humor. <laughs> I'm nervous for my guy, Paul, because sometimes it mm. seems as if you are bashing Paul with the rhetoric, the gospel of Paul, that you have mentioned on multiple occasions. I really enjoy Paul's writing. Now I'm sure if that is how you uh, now I'm not sure if that's how you want to come across but that's the impression that I get. I don't remember names often but some famous theologian said something to the effect if the Bible was a red wedding ring Romans would be the diamond and Romans 8 would be the sparkle. Also I heard you compare ableism to racism and as a black American that kind of irked me in the same way that it does when the gay community tries to claim that their struggle is the same as ours albeit I do not have the same understanding that y'all do. And saying I dated a girl who had a brother with Down syndrome is like saying I have a black friend. Uh, so now that's out of the way. I've attempted to be my specific, to, or attempted my best to be specific for you. As far as your live showings go, it feels like they're a Patreon supporter only type of deal, which is not true at all. You are more than welcome, but always give two compliments before you critique. <laughs> All right, so um, I say that because I get first dibs, and there are like a hundred of them, and the venues are usually about fifty people. Uh, if you are looking for podcast suggestions, I would love to hear your take on what happens when you base a relationship with God off of fear like they do in some churches as a means of scaring people into faith. All right, so there's a whole bunch here. Loaded. First, I, I actually did reply to him regarding the, 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 the tie to... Ableism. Yes. Let's get to that in a second. I want to get to Paul. So first of all, thank you for this specific feedback. Thank you for the encouragement, the compliments, and we love the specific feedback. I have made loads of people nervous about the whole Paul thing. When I say the gospel of Paul, I don't mean to denigrate Paul. I am denigrating the reformational understanding of how it's been interpreted by our Calvinistic friends' understanding of Paul. 
And I would disagree entirely with the Romans is the gospel and Romans 8 is the sparkle. That is absolutely not true. The gospel is the gospels, all right? (laughs) That's the core of the message. And that's exactly the point and the problem I have. It's not Paul. Paul does a brilliant job transitioning a Jewish Messiah and a Jewish worldview into um, a completely different kind of Roman Greek understanding. Totally. And there's good, and, and, and Paul had his own quirks, and it's awesome. The issue I have is that we elevate the words of Paul over the words of Jesus, and, and so that the gospel of Romans becomes the gospel. Yeah. That's not true. Paul only uses the idea of justification three places in three of his letters, and they all are in Judaizing contexts. Other places, it's adoption, it's reconciliation, it's redemption. I mean, this isn't the only metaphor. What we've done with Paul is we've chosen one image, just one image he uses, and we've made that the gospel. Not only that, but when Jesus preaches about the kingdom of God, Jesus is preaching to Jews, I get it, but Paul still captures some of that language in, in, in Jesus as Lord and in other places. The, the highlight for me of the Bible, it's, it's not Romans, sorry. The Romans road isn't the gospel. It's just not. The gospel is the availability of the kingdom of God through the death, burial, resurrection, ascension, and the pouring out of the Holy Spirit through Jesus. That's the gospel. And that has to do with something here and now, as well as something that happens when we die. Paul does a phenomenal job translating that gospel using a variety of images into different Greek contexts. But see, we why would we just privilege one? Mm-hmm. I just totally object to that whole way of thinking. So instead of apologizing to you, my friend, I'm doubling down. <laughs> um, but and, I, and I'm a fan of Paul. I love, I mean, Ephesians is one of my favorite books. I mean, what Paul does in church life is phenomenal. But but you cannot, uh, well, you can, and we have, but you cannot um, simply say that Romans is the gospel. And, and that's, nope, that's one snapshot. Yeah. But that's like, that's like saying... Hey man, I've got um, I've got four tires, um, and so I have a car. No, that's that's not true. I mean, there, there's more to uh, a car than just the four tires. There's more to the gospel than just Romans. Not a great analogy, but okay. <laughs> so you responded on the ableism thing. What, what yeah. was your what was your response there? Um, I agreed that perhaps a straight line between the idea of racism and ableism is a bit incorrect. I I appreciated what Micah had said on our show a few weeks ago about defining prejudice in the way uh, that we inherit a certain view and we're limited in what we grow up in. So then all we we come accustomed to thinking something is a certain way and then we're actually exposed to it. Right. Suddenly we realize the gap and the difference. Meaning like when he shared his experience about going to Moody and was talking to a white friend and he's like, I got to be honest with you, I've never had a conversation with a black guy. Right. Wow. And so it's like that, you know, he was defining like that's prejudice. It's like, you know, racism is the actions in which we use the prejudice for forms of hate and exclusivity right. and all of that type of thing. Right. So I, I agreed that like our conversation on relating to ableism and racism, it would be a bit incorrect, but I would say it would be more correct to prejudice. Got so it. how a lot of folks look at people with special needs largely prejudice. comes from yep. what they inherit, how they see those people without ever experiencing them, spending time with them and then realizing like, oh, OK, I've got I've got this view completely wrong you know I've, and i've been handed a bad card on it so mm. that was just kind of that was my response i thought that was actually a completely fair comment that he made about that it's like yeah that's that was probably off we probably used that term a bit too loosely okay fair look at look at us mailbag we yeah it is <laughs> some of you were like you've you've turned it up to like two times the normal speed to just get through it <laughs> 
All right, another another one. This is from Eric. Eric writes, our small group is listening to your Vox podcast as our weekly study, yeah. uh, which is very cool. Great. We're coming out with a DVD and a curriculum and also a book to go <laughs> along with it, my friend. <laughs> they have really helped our group grow. Thank you. I listened to episode seven podcast today, and I agree with Mike when he said that he could be completely wrong. I think he is completely wrong. Oh. So, so it's an agreement about not being wrong. I love it. Uh, and I think this was, uh, I don't know, immigration or something. Yes, we yeah. should invite Muslims and Syrians into our homes and our lives. That's our personal obligation as Christians. And as a Christian nation, we have an obligation to help the Syrians. We also have several choices as a nation. We can admit 10,000 to 100,000 Syrians into our country, at least certainly helping them, those admitted. Uh, we might let in some terrorists, and we could change the morals, customs, and values of some of our communities, because most of the Syrians don't have our country's value systems and won't integrate into our system. Or we can do another choice, set up safe zones in Syria itself, certainly putting our soldiers at risk, but protecting millions of Syrians, not hundreds of thousands. Now, Mike's podcast is old, so he might not have seen many of the results of Syrian migration into Europe, but I think he is misguided on this podcast. I might be wrong because I, I think neither of our positions are solidly grounded in the Bible. One other objection, he stated that uh, we should turn off the Christian fear complex by turning off Fox News and Glenn Beck, but these shows are not Christian. They are conservative. But my friend, those two often get conflated, at least where we live. So I, I think the point still stands. Mm -hmm. uh, they typically don't give Christian or religious views or commentary, blah, blah, blah. Um, ABC, CBS, and N NBC are liberal, but I wouldn't say they're anti-Christian. Okay, perfect. The problem, however, is for many in our country that conservative and Christian have gone together. Mm -hmm. And uh, we're trying to divorce that. So I'm, I'm like, okay, I hear you, but disagree. In terms of whether or not I'm wrong about immigration, uh, certainly could be. And uh, yes, I love that you distinguish between our obligations as Christians, which are to love immigrants mm -hmm. and welcome the stranger. I love that you admit that that is the way we should go personally. And, and that as a nation, there are other options. Great. I have no issue. I, I do have an issue with a blanket no. Um, politically, but like, like we've said many times here, my, my primary job isn't to tell the kingdom of the world how to best run the kingdom of the world. It's just that when people who claim to be Christians say that immigration isn't a biblical issue, uh, like Franklin Graham has, I just, I couldn't disagree more. And I think there have to be other Christian voices out there saying, well, I think it is a biblical issue. And I think the posture of the church is always one of welcome and hospitality and not fear. Mm -hmm. If there are more effective ways to, to protect Syrian refugees, fantastic. I'm all for it. But we should not let fear dictate um, the church's response. So mm -hmm. there you go. Wrong, wrong again, I am. You want to say something? You got you got the look like <laughs> I, I, I want to say look, something. You know, yeah, I I, I don't know. I don't, I don't want to say anything that gets okay. in trouble. <laughs> well, that's a first. All right. So, Mike, just finished podcast eighty. May I place in your inbox positive statements and fear uh, feedback, uh, gearing you up for your next negative feedback? So this was nice. Hmm. I appreciate the way you were true of being honest about everything. Uh, you are doing a great job of being real. I definitely don't have the same opinions as you these days, but I, boy, do I love that you are willing to talk about these issues. Great job. Keep up the good fight. Best to you, Justina and Andy. So, uh, so Christy, thank you for that. 
And I love that you're listening and that you don't completely agree. The goal of the Vox podcast is not that you would share my opinions or our opinions. Uh, The goal is that you would begin to wrestle in community with the tensions of how Jesus following plays out in uh, the morally ambiguous kind of world we're living in. And that you would become people committed, that we would become people committed to making Jesus beautiful in our role as peacemakers in the world. Mm -hmm. And so that's that's the goal. So Mm -hmm. I love that you are engaging. Thank you for your sweet encouragement. Uh, But the biggest compliment to me was that you don't agree with everything and you still listen and and benefit. So thank you for that. Uh, A couple more, Andy. Do we got time? Uh, Yeah, we got time. Okay. So I don't know, you know, this could be the most boring podcast we do. Or um, this could be a new, a, you know, set a new record for the amount of mail answered. Um, okay. Uh, I want to begin by saying that in my 35 years of life, I've never written a feedback response to any production. I generally don't feel that my feedback is needed. I typically feel that people share their opinions much too often anyhow. <laughs> In the Yelp world, that's probably true. But today was different. After listening to your podcast and how you respond to criticism, I was overcome with several emotions. I was once again reminded of how brutal and hateful Christians could be. Growing up as a child of God, a child of a God-fearing pastor, we were exposed countless times to sinister remarks from those within the walls of the church and beyond. But to be honest, I had laid many of those memories to rest until you spoke today. The podcast could not have come at a better time on the verge of taking on additional leadership roles within my church and feel a strong sense of calling to speak uh, in whatever venue platform God has chosen for me. Your words were a good reminder that even when you are in God's will, there will be pain and criticism, remarkably from those we call brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus. My husband and I have learned so much from you. I realize this email is more than likely one of thousands that come through. Well, no, they don't come through. Andy just <laughs> hoards them. But just the same, I want you to know that you're making a difference. Um, you are uh, changing lives. Your love for people is palatable. Well, that's nice. Andy doesn't feel that way, but I think in general... <laughs> I'm yawning over the mention of kindness. Yes. So thank you. Thank you, uh, Molly. Appreciate, uh, appreciate the encouragement. Yeah. Uh, big time. And, and you know, it, I, I wasn't sharing that to just be poor me. Although, it's funny. Those were the nice ones. Um, I have... I have I was reading through them and I have, so, I mean, I literally have hundreds yeah. uh, of, of emails and, and people will wonder why, why the heck are you saving them? And I'm like, well, just to show, you know, I mean, the people don't think this really happens in church. Oh, Christian Pettit. Christian Pettit is a friend of mine from Miami of Ohio back in the day. Just wanted to send you a quick email, let you know I've been listening to your podcast recently, have found it to be thought provoking and helpful. Lisa and I recently transitioned from working with Crew, which is Campus Crusade for Christ, used to be Crew Campus, to working with Crew Cities Ministry. We're working with 20-somethings in Indianapolis. And as we sought to be learners, I found the topics that you were covering to be very relevant. Hmm. Awesome. Oh, good. I'm so glad that helps. And um, yeah, so I, I mean, I just, I'm literally just going through a stack of email right now in real time. IRL. Email IRL. All right. So this is uh, uh, from uh, Cole on Rob Bell. Love this episode. Would you guys mind unpacking the documentarian hypothesis for listeners and share your thoughts uh, and study on it? I heard Rob Bunch drop a bunch of DH terms and beliefs. Thanks for what you do, guys. Team Andy Bear is what he wrote. So he will be getting no uh, response from me. (laughs) 
<laughs> documentarian hypothesis. I I had not heard of that. Oh my goodness. Well, it, it, and 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 it comes in different forms. The original hypothesis was that there were there were five different communities or individuals that stranded together the Old Testament, okay. and particularly the Torah. And, excuse me. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> There's a documentarian hypothesis right there. <laughs> In a world where burping is awful, one man stands above the rest. <laughs> All right. So, so that there was a, a priestly editor, uh, a Levitical editor. I think there was a, um, I don't know, they're, they're represented by different letters. Um, and, uh, and the idea is that you can trace strands of grouped thought that seem to be fragmented throughout the text and woven together. Hmm. And, uh, and so for, for folks, it's an older hypothesis. Uh, I don't even know how much in vogue it, it still is or not, so I can't really speak to it much. Um, I would agree with the hypothesis that, that there, there were editors involved in, in putting this sucker together. And it's not like just Moses sat down and wrote it when, you know, Deuteronomy includes his own death. And, you know, I mean, he was obviously wasn't there, you know, when God created the world. So, um, (laughs) so I'm totally fine with the idea that, that communities or groups of communities put the sacred text together under the guidance, uh, uh, of God's leading. So I have no problem with it, but that's just, there's a lot more to say <laughs> um, sounds, sounds like it yeah so, sounds like it. we're working on our own bible over here actually the vox so, bible yeah mike and andy uh just listen to the hiddenness of god episode wanted to say thank you i've heard sermons on the topic before having grown up in the church i generally know the doctrinal answers related to these questions but your response was so vulnerable and transparent and you let us see where you struggle with this too i'd rather not I'd rather just be awesome. Hmm. Uh, it's so refreshing to hear theology lumped in with struggle and pain instead of triumph and togetherness. God used uh, you both, which is unfortunate to speak to me, <laughs> in ways I haven't heard before. So in all of this, I want to say thank you. Vox listener from the beginning, David. David, thank you so much, my man. Uh, so glad that was helpful. I hate, hate sharing that stuff. I wanted to forget. I literally hated that episode. Don't want to ever talk about it again. Um, I, I, I am so not happy with having, uh, to struggle in the midst of all this stuff. Some have called it, some have called it our best episode yet. Well, uh, yeah, they haven't <laughs> obviously listened to the Rob Bell interview. <laughs> all right. So here's another Rob Bell issue. All right. Are you ready? How, how long are Surprise. we? Uh, 40 minutes. Okay. All right. That's not too bad. Yeah, we're fine. All right. Hi, Mike and Andy. Uh, been listening to you guys on, on and off for the past year uh, from a friend's recommendation. First of all, why, why ever off? I mean, that's ridiculous. That We should never be off. I, I listen to us on and off. <laughs> well, that's true. But we should never be off. Uh, I listen to a few other podcasts from time to time as well, but yours is the only one that hasn't annoyed me after a while. Oh, well, you haven't listened long enough. Give us, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Give us time. And I love that. The Vox Podcast. We suck less. If you if you switch the off part of your comment and you're just on, then I think you'll yes. arrive at that conclusion. So thumbs up to you guys for keeping it real casual, funny, and normal without se- seeming to try too hard. True. Uh, it's my first time writing in. I'm doing so because of the interview with Rob Bell. Wanted to share my thoughts on it, and then perhaps, uh, and him perhaps too. First off, no doubt he's a super smart guy. He's a thinker. He's scholarly, and his love and appreciate appreciation for texts. And with the amount of uh, that he thinks about God, he's also a theologian, and most, if not all, of what he said was smart, uh, 
wise sounding stuff. What he's saying makes sense. But I wonder if he could, if he would even call himself a Christian. The only time he mentioned Jesus was when he talked about the narrative of the sacred text, the Bible, and how it has shifted or matured people to move away from mysticism and how Jesus was a part of that. My question is, how can you talk about God so much and not talk passionately about the saving work that Jesus did on our behalf? And in our struggle to answer life's biggest questions and our common quest to seek redemption, paraphrased, how did Jesus not enter the talk then? How was Jesus not the focus of the entire conversation? It's as if Rob Bell knows all the realities and, uh, and humanity's struggle for its entire existence, but isn't willing to point to Jesus as the only answer. Uh, the only conclusion I can draw is he doesn't believe Jesus is the only answer. Uh, from our podcast, from, from one, one episode. Well, no, he's read other books. He's okay. read other books. Okay. He believes in rising consciousness. Um, as he talks about the constant improving of humanity over time, he neglects the whole issue of sin itself. If we've improved as humans since the time of Moses, how did the 20th century become the bloodiest, and most evil since the onset of humanity? Um, my issue is this, and I've thought a lot about this recently when I look at myself. Are we really, are we really getting better? Am I a better person than I was when I wasn't a Christian? In other words, has my struggle with sin been getting easier? The answer is no. While they may improve some bad thoughts, the issue with sin is only magnified. I'm now more aware of sin and my need for God than before I knew him. I ought to be getting better and showing more signs of God's spirit in me. And I, I am, and I do, but the issue of me being a sinner and need for Jesus is the only answer only gets more abundantly clear. So as my awareness grows over time, it really only grows to give God glory, not myself. Based on my issues with Rob Bell, and so anytime you call him Rob Bell, you know, um, and my belief that he might not be a Christian and your limited understanding of me and where I am in terms of my faith standpoint, do you think I'm misunderstanding any of Rob's point of views? Am I missing the point on anything here? And I'm also dying to hear a follow-up from you about questions you would like to ask him that you didn't. Questions that have uh, you that uh, questions that you have after thinking more about his statements. In other words, what points would you grill him on, and do you think he would be satisfied even in disagreement with his answers? And do you think you would be satisfied? Thanks again. Great interview. It was like hearing from an old friend. An old friend who went off the tracks, but an old friend nevertheless. All right. So uh, this is from uh, this is from CJ. So CJ, thank you for the question and a uh, couple of thoughts. Uh, first of all. I don't know what Rob would call himself. Um, uh, I know people have judged, have spent a lot of time judging the motives of his heart and the practice. And, and so I have not uh, done that. I Do I wish sometimes he'd get back to the old dust of my rabbi, Rob Bell, um, <laughs> that was so influential to me? Absolutely. Um, uh, but do, you know, do I... Do I will sometimes wonder if he, what he's really doing is translating Christianity into a new generation of people that would never engage with it? Uh, mm-hmm. Sometimes I wonder that, you know, yeah. do you, you do, the talk of divine versus the talk of the father? I mean, like we said before, I mean, so on, so on, so on. Um, of course, the danger is uh, in doing that, that you just become as murky and lukewarm and, and whatever is kind of the culture around you. But I'm not in a very good place to make that judgment on the basis of that interview or the reading of his books. Um, so so I just, I kind of go, I don't know if you're misreading him. I just think, I don't know that it's, I want to know why it's important to you to figure that out. Yeah. That's the question I would have, CJ, is like, okay, why is that important to you? Mm-hmm. Just sift and sort what he says. 
mm-hmm. regardless of whether or not you think he's a Christian. I mean, okay, God judges that. I have no interest in whether or not he calls himself that or not. I have an interest in in the ideas he's presenting and what of them are true and what of them are not true. Uh, he's someone who's endeavoring to answer some of the biggest questions about the Bible, questions that we hear all the time on our podcast mm-hmm. and felt like, man, this is a guy we definitely want to hear from. I just... It, it still puzzles me why the labeling of him good or bad um, is still such an issue. Mm-hmm. I just don't, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not totally there yet because no one, no one is either good or bad, right? We know this. I mean, there's nuance in all of us. And so mm-hmm. you should be sifting and sorting what I'm saying. I mean, there, and the problem with Christianity uh, at least as it's practiced in America, is we have our good guys and our bad guys. And the good guys, once they're in, they're in. We'd never question anything. Right. And the bad guys, once they're out, they're out. We should you know, never listen to anything. And neither of those are true. John Piper says some things that are absolute rubbish. Yeah. John MacArthur says some things that are absolute crap. I mean, it's just true. I see some things that are utter nonsense. And Rob Bell freaking says some things that are good and true and right and puts words to things that are that help people... Uh, approach the faith who would never approach the faith otherwise. Uh, You just can't sit and say, well, he's a Christian or not. He should be listened to or not. Uh, I I get that we've lost listeners because we put him on the show. Fine. Mm -hmm. Okay. There's a lot of like good solid. If you want just like the solid safe stuff, there's just a lot of that out there. And if you want just the, the, like the milky, like, whoa, it's just shocking conversation. There's a lot of that out there. We're trying to walk this middle ground of peacemaking where we sit with people um, who we don't always agree with, and we listen to what they have to say, and we enter into their stories, we enter into their theology, we enter in, and and you know some people think that's uh, totally wrong to do. I just disagree. Yeah. I absolutely disagree with that. Yeah, I mean, and, and to be honest too, like I'm I'm a bit fatigued over the idea because this isn't the first person who said this particular thing, but just like the expectation that because we do talk about jesus on our podcast and christianity as a whole that all this, that it's expected that everything that we talk about has to have a direct tie and jesus has to be used in that thing like whether this is in this happens outside into tons of other conversations as if like well they didn't really mention jesus so i don't i don't know if i'm in you know and it's just kind of blanketed on top of like well if they're not making that the forefront of the conversation or if they're not obsessed about that aspect of the conversation it's like how, how many conversations are we allowed to have that you get through the whole thing and yeah there's no mention of jesus but when you read the bible Tell me how much Jesus is mentioned in the Old Testament. Everywhere. You know? According to some. According to some. But but but, but I'm saying it's encapsulated in the understanding that he is there. You right. see, that's my problem is like right. whether we make that the forefront point every time we turn this thing on record, to me is like what are right. – I would say there's something else to wrestle with if like you can't get through something and hear that all the time. I mean it's for the same way that someone's like – I can't listen to a presidential interview or something unless I hear America, like, you know, mentioned every five <laughs> seconds about the ideals of America every time. Otherwise, I don't believe it. Right. It's just like, I, I think we're a little smarter than that. I, right. I really do. Right. And I don't I don't hear CJ saying that. I think CJ's wrestling with, okay, um, this is what Christian theology is. Rob isn't doing Christian theology. Hmm. So is he Christian? And okay, that's a fair question. I don't know the answer to that. I, I certainly know that that Rob doesn't talk about Jesus as much as he used to, at least publicly. Yeah, um, that's true. But I don't know why. 
I don't know. I don't know what's happening in his soul. What what's happening with um, his relationship to the the Father, the Divine, however you want to say it. So yeah, I, I'm I'm like okay. Um, I hear you, and 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 but but it's like uh, the need to have him pegged is the thing that yeah. bugs. And, and even even in our interview, to hear to hear him say that the best version of gathering he could imagine is a table. And at that table is the bread and the cup. Where do you get the bread and the cup unless it's not from Jesus? Right. Like who you see? I'm like, I'm. Yeah, but but I'm not I'm not in the business of defending whether he is or no, is. No, sure, I know. I, I know, just but... I want to learn from people who are saying things. Yep. And he's someone I feel like I can learn from. I agree. But I sift and I sort, and and CJ, it sounds like you're sifting and sorting too. I don't know if you're misunderstanding or not because I don't know what he thinks. Yeah. About those issues, I mean, I don't, you know. I don't know that sitting and saying, "Hey, Rob, are you a Christian?" is is going to elicit the best thing he's the best things he's got to say. Yeah, I don't think he um, is. No, I, no, I meant like I don't think he would. Like he wouldn't. I right. feel, I feel like that's the fire he's been, he's been under for years. He's yeah. been attacked so freaking much. Right. So anyway, CJ, I totally hear what you're saying. I love that you're trying to clarify my misunderstanding him. And I don't know. I mean, I I I don't know. I do feel like there is. That there are points of evidence where humanity is improving, mm-hmm. um, I, so I don't agree. I don't agree with either side that says, like on the rapture, the conservative left behind crew that's going to just get totally awful before. Like, there's no point in doing anything because we'll be raptured out of here anyway. <laughs> I disagree with that. I have a little boy with Down syndrome. Andy has a little girl with Down syndrome, and I can tell you, they're treated much better now than they were 50 years ago. You know, years ago. Uh, or women. Um, uh, you want to go back to to women couldn't vote, or or our owning slaves, or I mean, I'm just like, no, I think there are there have been things, usually initiated or at least participated in by Christ followers, that have been major cultural cultural shifts that are good. But I disagree with those who think that it's nothing but an upward trajectory. And if we just had better technology and more education and everyone just got along, we'd be fine. No, because no. the issue, sin does reside in the human heart and affects us all. So, so I, I kind of disagree with, with um, what you're saying in terms of, well, unless you see it as all bad, then you're not really seeing it correctly. No, I, I see good all over the place. And so did Paul. Paul could affirm the writings of different Greek writers. Paul affirmed the, the you know, Athenian culture. Paul could talk about creation was given for us to enjoy. And uh, so I'm open to that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't see it as all good or all bad or getting all better or getting all worse. I just, it's all nuanced, which, you know, is, is another word for cowardice, according to some. But CJ, phenomenal question. All right. Yep. Do we have, do we have any, uh, do I have one more? CJ, Andy, let's see, David. Nope, nope. I That's got him. it. That's I it. I got him. We've gotten like three more since I sent you these. So we've shut up. <laughs> yeah. Have we really? Yeah. Oh, pretty geez. sure. Okay, so so typically, you know, when Andy was on his game, I would get these as they came in. But this one was like, <laughs> this was like like thirty of them. Let me let me tell you what throws throws me off my game. Okay, what th- what threw you? When I wear a tank top. Three children. Oh, don't. What, what a freaking... I have three children and I have games. Yeah, but you didn't just have them. 
It doesn't matter. The third. It doesn't matter. <laughs> I listen. I was b- back to work the day after birth of number three. Listen, I am. I am humbly. I am humbly accepting the knowledge and wisdom that you would speak into as a fresh <laughs> husband of three <laughs> in your deep wealth of experience. Oh, I have deep wealth. I've been a husband of three longer than you've been a husband, buddy. That's correct. So <laughs> yes, or a father of three. So you should know. All right. So um. So yes. Yeah, so Andy Bear. First, it was his workflow. Now it's his kids. You see the trend. <laughs> um. But we love hearing from you, and and we try. I mean, we we. I, I want you to know there are a couple of things that are that are happening. One is we we answer questions, and sometimes those get turned into podcasts. Um, we answer questions at our church, um, and then we answer questions on Facebook. So right after after now, we're going to turn the thing off, and we're going to go on Facebook and answer more questions that came in. <laughs> so we're going to email. I'm going to have Andy, who has three children, I'm going to include in his workflow, emailing all of you who emailed in saying, hey, we talked about your email on air. <laughs> okay, can you do that, Andy? Okay. Okay. Um, uh, cause I have a sermon to write for this week. I don't know what you got, but I got to actually show up Sunday and sound intelligent, which takes a lot of work. <laughs> Apparently. So Andy, man, for what you get paid, you should be thanking me. <laughs> um, yeah, I get paid. Oh, that's true. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. That's true. Um, um, so, so always look on our Facebook page. What Facebook is that? Just the Vox Podcast yeah. Facebook page. So we answer some of your questions there. And again, I mean, guys, the answer, the the point isn't the answers. I don't always think they're that great. And even when I think they're that great, no one remembers them or cares. Um, the the deeper issue is, hey, we're all on this journey together, and there's real power in encouraging each other, critiquing each other. So that's why I wanted to read the good ones and the critiques because that's we're doing this in community, and we listen to what you say. Um, we do sometimes um, louder than others, um, but we do wrestle with everything that comes in. So, thank you for that. How do people? How do people send in emails? Hello at the Vox Podcast. Hello. Hello at voxpodcast.com. Okay, and voxpodcast.com is the place where the Vox Podcast is housed. Mm-hmm. Um, there is a church that is associated with the podcast, which we, in our, our words, it's the liturgical expression of the podcast. And we just had 16 people over to my place in Bray last night uh, from the church, and they were just new and wanted to find out more about it. And we were like, well, how'd you hear about it? And it was all podcast. Uh, which was so fun and yeah. interesting. So um, if you're ever in the North Orange County, you can check that out. If you've got another church to go to, man, go to that one because um, we suck. We really do. We're not We're not a tight ship. At even which our, We don't even have a fog machine, for crying out loud. <laughs> so um, anyway, that's all I got. You got anything, Andy Bear? No. Okay. So, so um, Seth Erie is going to do our blessing today. Uh, he is, uh, been, he, he comes, sometimes I'll come downstairs and I'll find him licking the microphone that I speak into and, uh, which, you know, (laughs) so there'll be like little, little dregs of like chicken (laughs) or or whatever he's had to eat (laughs) over the microphone. So if you notice every now and again, like I'll try to switch microphones with you, but it, I think you're on, on, on that already. (laughs) So, um, all right. So Seth Eard's going to do our blessing. Brothers and sisters, we love being a part of your life. Thanks for participating. Let, give us your feedback on this episode because we have enough questions that we could do many of these. Um, but uh, but thank you. Until next time. Hey, thanks for listening to the Vox Podcast. Learn more about us at voxpodcast.com. Follow us on Twitter at the Vox Podcast 
And now support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash Vox Podcast.